0: Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella touts Windows 11 as a new era of Windows. It's supposed to be more open and the antithesis of Apple, but we'll move the needle in getting people to care. I'm Roger Chang, this is your Daily Charge. With this breakdown, everything on Windows 11 is CNET editor Ian Scherr. Welcome, Ian. Hey, how are you doing? So the Windows 11 public beta is now available for download. It became available on Monday, uh, and we should see a full release later this year. So, Ian, can you break down some of the highlights and really what justifies the fact that Windows or Microsoft is changing the number of Windows for the first time in six years?
1: You know, I asked that question myself when I first heard about that. (laughs) My first question was, wait a minute, didn't you say that Windows 10 was the end? And uh, in fact, a lot of people have made that joke now, so I am not original. But it, (laughs) it turns out that Microsoft said, look, you know, we have gotten to the point where we say, you know, we're ready to have a new version. You know, the the idea of Windows as a surface is cool and having it uh, kind of constantly updated is great, but we made so many changes this time around that we want to call it something new. And so uh, this is where Windows 11 comes in. And look, the design is very different, right? You look at it between Windows 10 and Windows 11, and Windows 11 is probably the biggest design change to Windows since Windows 95, right? And we'll, we'll ignore Windows 8 for a moment and all of that. So <laughs> I think that there's something to be said for justifying the name change. What I'm curious about, as you point out, is whether or not it's actually justified, period. And, and that is the larger question because, you know, fresh coat of paint, great, whatever. But what comes after that, I think, is the real question that Microsoft is now starting to deal with.
0: Well, let's dig into that, because I want to talk about the features and additions, like what, the, the meat, the substance. Going back to the, you know, the event from last week, like what were some of the, the key announcements, the key changes to Windows 11 that, I don't know, maybe justifies this change?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest changes are actually around policy. They've made Windows 11 what they like to call more open, which considering Windows 11 was pretty open to begin with, uh, is is quite a feat. You know, A lot of what has made Windows Windows for years is that you can run pretty much anything on it, right? You can't run Apple programs, but you can run uh, pretty much anyone who makes a program worth their weight in is is going to be on Windows. And the reality is that that has changed, especially since the iPhone came out. And nowadays, most of the real kind of innovative ideas that we're seeing in the computer world, they're happening on iPhones and iPads and and Android devices. You've got Uber, you've got, you know, Spotify started as a desktop app, but let's be honest, I'm sure most people look at it, play it through their devices. You've got all of these, you know, device first companies like Duolingo and, you know, just it goes on and on and on. And so I think what's interesting is that Microsoft said, okay, we realize that, you know, Windows is kind of playing the second fiddle in terms of where people's attention is right now. Right. It's not about Mac versus PC. It's about mobile devices. And we are going to make our Windows software work with Android Apps, So you can basically run your favorite Android app inside of Windows, which the demo they showed on stage, of course, was TikTok. <laughs> another mobile-first app. So I think, you know, for them, a lot of that is is really important. The other thing they also did that I think is, is worth n- noting is that they're changing the way they apply the Windows Store. So, you know, the Windows Store is supposedly where you can buy apps that Microsoft has vetted, and that is very much like the App Store on the, uh, on the iPhone. And it's worth noting, you know, when Apple came out with the App Store back in 2008, there were App Stores before that, but Apple really... Changed the dynamic of how people thought about buying software. Before the app stores, statistically, most people would not buy new computer programs beyond the date of purchase of their computers. That's why there was so much bloatware in all of our computers, is that all of the companies are like, oh, please, let's get in front of them before they close their wallet for the next five years. Right. You know, until they buy their next computer. And the app store completely changed that model. So Microsoft joined in, they created an app store, and what they've done is that they've said, okay, if you're a developer, you you can, run, you can sell your apps in our app store and have us take zero commission. And we're going to offer you to do your own payment processing. All these things that Apple has been politically fighting with, with Fortnite, and they've been fighting with uh, with Spotify and, and Tinder and all these people. Microsoft's like, no, we'll just give you the store. Have fun. And it, it's very different. So that's why I think You know, when you take all this stuff together, and there's other stuff too, uh, I think it is worth noting that this is a new version of Windows, right? In a lot of ways, this is a, quote, new Microsoft approach to how to do desktop software.
0: Yeah, you've got a story out today talking about this shift in dynamic, right? Microsoft is sort of positioning itself as the anti-Apple, which is a bit of a role reversal after Apple had slammed Windows for years back in the early 2000s as this uncool, unhip, monolithic Giant, Um, John Hodgman, exactly. (laughs) So, what do you make of this sort of Freaky Friday switch up? Because now it's like they've they've exchanged roles, right?
1: Yeah, you know, I think on some level it was, you know, it's fun because you know when you think of English class, you know, you you live long enough, you you get to see yourself become the villain, right? Right. I think that Apple, in a lot of ways, has gone from being the uh, underdog to being, you know, the leader that they've always thought of themselves as. And as a result now, Microsoft, who is still the world leader, by the way, they, they represent like 80% of market share on desktops, but they feel like the underdog and they feel like they have to nip at Apple's toe, uh, ankles just to be able to say, look, you know, here's what we do different to make it worth buying our stuff. And it's interesting because when I talk to a number of the analysts out there, and you know, these are people who have been covering Microsoft for years, some of them were even consultants for Microsoft at some point, right? They've been inside the doors. And right. they said, look, the reality is that you see the declining market share. You see the uh, most of the you know, innovative effort in the app world is coming to phones and tablets, not to desktops. Not that it's never happening on desktops, but you know what I mean. And so they're saying, look, you know, Microsoft, in a lot of ways, is just preaching to the choir. Right, the people who want Windows 11, they're going to upgrade for free. Yahoo. Some of them are going to buy new computers. Okay, but it's not like suddenly they're going to change the way people look at computers at a time when computers are not the center of the world.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Because I and I wanted to bring bring this up. Bring up the question of whether this Windows 11 rebranding is is almost as much a branding exercise than anything else as an attempt to kind of win back users that have sort of left because like you said, a majority of people or computers still run on Windows, but there is a feeling that that Microsoft is the underdog because they've seeded basically all ground on smartphones and that's where a lot of the action is taking place. So I'm just curious if like, from a branding perspective, this is Microsoft trying to like get back into the good graces of folks who have sort of long If not left it, but at least sort of have acknowledged that its relevance has faded over the years.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm curious about that myself. I think that when you think of what Windows has been historically for Microsoft, every major Windows launch, right? W- whether it was Windows 95, Windows 98, Windows ME, if you remember the one oh, yeah. edition, which most people don't want to remember, Windows XP, <laughs> Windows 7, Windows Vista. You know, the thing is that every time there was a major release, if you went to Times Square on that release day, they were having a party. Like they, they, I remember one time they, they had these people who were like, who were climbing down a skyscraper to create like a human flag of the Windows flag. Like, you know, they were just going all out. So it was a branding exercise even then. And hundreds of millions of dollars invested in marketing Windows, right? Right. And marketing something that, by the way, had like 90% market share. Yeah. So it's not like people were looking elsewhere for their computer software. But I think that for Microsoft now, I mean, first off, I think, you know, it's been a really tough year for all of us. And, you know, the pandemic has really, I think, hurt a lot of people, both internally and externally at a lot of companies. So, hey, why not have a party, right? That's that's one thing I can totally support. And the other thing I think is that is that Microsoft does want to stand out from the crowd, right? You've, you've got Microsoft is the only major company, ironically, that is not under antitrust scrutiny right now. Now. Right, you know, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Google—you name them—they are under the microscope. And Microsoft, who was declared a monopoly back in two thousand one, they're saying there just—you know, hey, you know, look at the cute little flowers we've got on our campus. You know, they're they're not doing it have to, to deal with anything. And so I think for them, taking that moment and being like, hey, look how awesome we are, at a time when everyone else is getting kneecapped by Congress. I can see why they would want to do that,
0: right? But I mean, to, I guess to your earlier point that you know, this folks who are you know they're into Windows, they're going to upgrade. We get that, but but is it really going to change the minds of folks who have kind of, uh, like I said before, like left Windows behind or you know I've switched to Mac? Like this isn't this isn't going to necessarily turn heads in that respect, right?
1: I've tried to think about that a lot. And, you know, one of those, you know, midnight thoughts I had before I I drifted off to sleep was maybe it's not about convincing, you know, you and me or whomever else is using an Apple every day to switch over. Maybe it's about making sure that the people who are not as is proficient in computers right the people who were born after the turn of the millennium maybe it's about getting them comfortable with using a windows computer because the reality is that when you walk onto a mac computer yeah it's more it's it's got a lot more functions in it but you can see a very clear connection between the way that an apple computer feels and the way that your iphone feels and the way that your ipad feels and even if you're an android user you you un- there's a lot of logic between them that makes a lot of sense when you go to windows it feels like a different language you know the start menu is still the same way it's been since 1995 you've got most of the the file explorer is the same it's been since 1995 and, you know they've they've Gussied it up a little bit, but it's still essentially the same system. And I think that if you look at all the visual changes they went through, which of course, you know, a lot of people have seen the photos, but if you haven't, if you go on CNET, you'll see like they moved the menu bar to the center. They did a lot of stuff that if you look at it and you squint hard enough, it looks like it could be a tablet. And I think that that's the point, right? Like making it comfortable for a lot of people who have moved beyond the desktop age.
0: Yeah that was sort of one of my follow-up questions is given the fact that they don't really have a presence in phones like is Windows 11 supposed to be an operating system that can, can I guess stretch or extend itself into some of these other devices because we are seeing that with Apple we've seen that with Google you know the sort of the merging of sort of PC and phone experiences a bit Microsoft really just has a PC experience I know they've got the the Microsoft the the Surface Duo which I don't know if anyone actually owns as a phone but it, I'm curious if that's, that's the intent that they, they want to almost kind of go back to what Windows phone tried to be is create an operating system or platform that can extend to some of these other devices like a tablet, like a phone.
1: Right, well, if you think of what Windows Phone was back when it came out, right? And we have to go back to, you know, the 2010s, right? After Microsoft made fun of Apple for entering the iPhone into the into the smartphone arena and Steve Ballmer very famously being like, "What? The most expensive phone on the planet? Good luck." And as Apple immediately started really taking them on and it was clear Microsoft did not have a coherent strategy, the answer was more Windows, right? It wasn't to come up with something completely different. It was, let's take all these ideas that we've had for Windows for years, let's throw them on a phone and let's have everything feel like they're the same and they're interconnected. Whereas Apple's approach was, let's build out a phone system and then make the computers work with it, right? So over time, the computers became more like phones, whereas Microsoft's approach was to make the phones more like computers. And I think that the reality was, was... Microsoft realizes they failed. And by the way, they've gotten to a point financially where they don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, as a point of pride, it probably is terrible to go through this. But, the you know, they make a lot of their money now by selling Azure software services, which is, you know, for companies to be able to put their stuff on the cloud and to run apps and everything. Like, they could care less about whether they make money from Windows. I mean, I'm sure they enjoy that money, but the reality is that they don't they don't really need it the same way that they did 20 years ago. And so by making Windows... Work much more with mobile devices, no matter whose it is, whether it's the Amazon App Store or even Sachi Nadella, CEO of Microsoft, said, hey, I'd love it if FaceTime came to Windows. I mean, I would never imagine hearing Steve Ballmer <laughs> say that or Bill Gates. Right. Right. Uh, so the fact that they're doing that, I think, is an admission that. Look, we just want you to use our software. We don't. We don't need to control the world, and and they don't even need to have kind of you know the 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 swagger that they did before, right? They just want to build software that convinces you to buy their subscription, <laughs> that then they'll make their money from, you know. And however they get around to that, they're happy with.
0: Right, Microsoft, the I guess the nice guy in tech at this point, a weird, weird role considering <laughs> so the history, weird. especially if you if you've looked. Look further past, you know, the last decade or so, you sort of see how, just how unusual that is. Ian, thank you for your time in breaking this all down for us. You can check out his story on cnet.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. Or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash dailycharge. if you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.